chapter 6 tonight. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Word of God says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests, and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, when Joshua had spoken unto the people, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the re-reward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp, so they did six days." And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein. To the Lord only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this time. ask that you would open our hearts to these truths, that you would encourage us for the days ahead. And Lord, strengthen our faith for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we love you tonight. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want to preach to you for just a few moments. And and if I can, what I'm going to do tonight is I want to exhort you for a little while. I want to try to build you up in the most holy faith. And I want to encourage your walk of faith. You see, as we read in Joshua chapter 6, we're reading about people that are walking by faith. 
They have no reason to believe that the plan that God has prescribed for the destruction of the city of Jericho will work. They have only the promise of God to sustain them and only their obedience to evidence their faith in Him. Truly, this was an activity and a victory of faith. Uh, You know, as you begin to study the history of the nation of Israel, you'll find that this conquest into the promised land is a picture of the victorious Christian life. Now, when they were in Egypt, they were dead in trespasses and sins. They weren't a nation. But by the blood of the Lamb, they were brought out of Egypt's darkness and they were made to pass over unto the other side of the Red Sea. And for 40 years, they walked in doubt and discouragement in the uh, Sinai Peninsula, in the wilderness, in the desert. But now Moses is dead. Joshua has risen up. They've made the decision to trust God. And by faith, they're going to take the land that God has promised for them. You know, that's a lot like my life and your life. We were once in Egypt's darkness. We were once in sin, but by the blood of the Lamb, we were redeemed, purchased out of that bondage, and brought into a large place. We may have wandered in doubt and despair for a number of years. I know even at my age that there's been times that I can look back on and say, boy, that was time that I wasted. I could have been serving God. I could have been doing something for God. Even times when I may have outwardly been serving God. Times when I wasn't inwardly growing. And I can look back to wilderness periods of time in my life. By God's grace, I would love and my hope and my plan and my dream is for the rest of my life to be spent walking into the promised land, conquering those things by faith that God has for me and for my life. But if I'm going to do it and if you're going to do it, it'll be done by faith. The Bible teaches us that we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, walking by faith, it sounds sort of easy. And I think sometimes there's a misrepresentation about this walk of faith. Because it's of faith and not of works, uh, we believe that it's easy. But now understand this, it may not be complicated, but that does not mean it's easy. As we consider what they did on these seven days, I just want to point a few things out to you that, that might encourage you on this Wednesday night the middle of a hot week that's been humid, that I'm sure you've been working and carrying on, I want to encourage you tonight in your walk of faith. I want you to notice a few things with me. Notice, first off, the difficulties that accompany faith. Now, we already mentioned that faith, though it's an uncomplicated thing, it's merely trusting the promises of God, that does not mean it is an easy thing to have faith. In fact, it's not a natural thing to have faith, nor is it unnatural, but rather it's supernatural. It goes contrary to that which we would comfortably do. Nobody lives by faith on accident. Now, I want you to hear well what I'm about to say. If you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to make a decision to do so. You're going to have to do it deliberately. It's not going to just happen by accident. You're not going to stumble in it. I'm reminded of Eutychus as he sat in that window. You know, he fell out of church. Nobody falls into church. But a lot of folks fall out of church by riding too close to the windowsill and to the edge. Well, the walk of faith is a lot the same way. You're not just going to trip into a victorious Christian life. You're not just going to stumble in to victory in your life. You're going to have to make a deliberate decision to do it. And there's some things you're going to have to combat. Let me just give you three very quickly, and I'm not going to point to verses. I think we know enough to know that it's in our passage here before us, and it's intrinsic to the quality of faith. Let me say that first off, there's the difficulty of facts. You know, faith goes contrary most of the time to human reasoning and logic. We don't have an illogical God, but we do have a God that operates on His own logic and on His own reasoning. In fact, the book of Isaiah says it this way, the Lord's speaking, and it says, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
doesn't mean he's without ways, doesn't mean he's without thoughts. It just means that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Don't you know, as they began to walk around that city, that one person looked to the other and said, you know, this is crazy. This isn't going to work. It just doesn't make sense that we could walk around this wall. Why do we have to walk around it? I can see somebody trying to give a scientific answer, you know. We live in a world of scientists today, but no science. Amen? Uh, We live in a world of science falsely so-called and scientists falsely so-called, but no true science, it seems. Everything's got an agenda. And I can see some of these boys trying to explain it through scientific means. If you want to get a laugh sometime, just watch one of these documentaries where they try to explain a biblical miracle with scientific means. You know, they want us to believe, and this goes back to what I mentioned before I even started preaching. Uh, they, they're trying to rewrite history, you know, and they want us to believe that there's no concrete evidence for the biblical account, but that's false. That's a lie, and that's propaganda that they're feeding you. There's plenty of biblical evidence. And by the way, this, uh, oh my, this isn't even, I've got to get back to my message now. Let me tell you something. Part of the reason I think that you're seeing such a rapid expansion of Islam in the world that we live in, part of the satanic reason behind it, is because many of these uh, bands of, of violent Muslims in the Middle East, they'll go through and they'll wholesale destroy antiquities and artifacts. They'll go into a society. You know, that's the Fertile Crescent. I mean, that's the cradle of the earth. There's more ancient artifacts and archaeological finds in that part of the world than there is anywhere else in the world. And they'll go into communities and they'll try to change the face of the landscape. They'll try to destroy anything that they can find. Why do you think Satan's trying to do that? He's trying to erase the historical record of the truth and the validity of the biblical account. Let me tell you something. There's plenty of valid archaeological evidence for the biblical account. Plenty, plenty of it. But that's not what our faith operates off of. Our faith operates in the face of facts. doesn't mean it's always contrary to it, but we do operate in the face of facts. And I can see one of them guys walking around trying to say, well, maybe the sonic boom will do it, you know. (laughs) Maybe we'll break the sound barriers. Maybe it's something about the frequency of the trumpet blow. You know, I can see another one saying, well, if that's so, why do we have to walk around it six times? It just doesn't make sense. And it didn't make sense. But did it work? Yes, it worked. (laughs) Because God's promises are yea and amen. They're true. And so one of the things you battle in your walk of faith is facts or facts falsely so-called or science falsely so-called as it flies in the face of your faith. There's a lot of things. You know, it doesn't make sense that if you want to fix your marriage, you fix your relationship with the Lord. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that if you want want to fix your financial well-being, you do it by giving more to the Lord. That doesn't make any sense. But that's faith, and it works. And so one of the things you'll have to fight is the difficulty of facts. Well, not only the difficulty of facts, but probably the difficulty of feelings as well. Now, I'm going to hit home with you, so I want you to listen carefully. How discouraging it must have been for six days as they walked around that city, and nothing happened. Now, nothing should have happened in the first six days. In fact, I go a step further and say nothing could happen. In the first six days, because God said it happened on the seventh day. But that doesn't matter, you see, when you're in the midst of it. And oftentimes, as we endeavor to trust God and to live by faith and to walk by faith, one of the things we struggle with is this, that God never, many times with His promises, He's given us a concrete promise, but He's not given us a time frame. And all of a sudden, we start to feel like because it's not happening according to our wristwatch, somehow God has let us down. 
And that's not so. It must have been discouraging for six days as they walked around, ridiculed by those that were gathered on the walls of Jericho. It must have been discouraging as they were tired. Jericho was a large city. And as they, in all the pomp and all the circumstance, were walking around, don't you know they just got discouraged sometimes, said, what's it all for? You see, that's one of the fights that you struggle with when you walk by faith, is that oftentimes you don't see the fruit of it right away. And you get discouraged and you get tired and you get weary. You say, well, I don't. Well, come to VBS. You'll get weary. There's, there, there's, there's two different kinds of tired. There's, actually, there's three. There's, there's tired, there's VBS tired, and then there's dead. Amen? And VBS tired is a lot closer to dead than it is to regular tired. You get weary as you walk by faith. Sometimes just, there, there is a spiritual fatigue. Are you aware of that? There is a spiritual fatigue. It's not emotional. It's not physical. It's not mental. It's a spiritual fatigue that can take place. What do you think what the angel was telling Elijah when he said, Arise, the journey is too great for thee. He wasn't telling him that you can't make it physically. He's saying you can't make it spiritually unless you arise and eat. And the spiritual journey that we're in and the spiritual walk that we're in a part of, one of the things that we fight is just fatigue, feelings, discouragement, depression, feeling out of sorts and feeling alone. I think we fight the, the difficulty of feelings, but then probably the difficulty of the flesh is something we fight as we walk by faith. Now, some of you say, well, now, you know, if it had been me, I, I'm going to sound a lot like you. Are you ready? And, 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 and me too. Not just you, but me too. I know what you think. See, we're on the back side of this story. We've had this in our Bibles for a long time. We know that the wall fell. And so you know what you're apt to say, and me too? We're apt to say this. Well, I would have marched around it with no problem at all. That's what we say. I wouldn't have had a problem. I, I would have just trusted God. I would have just walked on. If I knew it was the right thing to do, I would have done it. I would have done it. Just like you fast and pray like you're supposed to. Just like you read your Bible like you're supposed to. Just like you witness to the lost the way you're supposed to. Right? You know it's right, don't you? You wouldn't be here. I don't think you'd be in this church if you didn't know those things were right. I know they're right, and I struggle with them. So what's the problem? Well, listen to what Christ said. I think it's a pretty good commentary on it. There in the Garden of Gethsemane. He told his disciples, he said, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's the flesh that we battle. We know to do right. We know what we're supposed to do. We know. That I'm convinced there's not a person in here that doesn't know the basics of Christian living. I know, I mean, each and every person in here, I could go down and I could say, What are some important things? You'd say, Well, you're supposed to be in church. You're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed to pray. You're supposed to witness people. You're supposed to be good to people. I'd go right down the line and there's probably not a person in this room that doesn't know those things. But if I went back through the cycle and said, Now, do you do all those to the best of your ability? If there's an honest person in here, they'd say, No, I don't. I make mistakes, I mess up. What causes that? The flesh causes that. The infirmity of the flesh, as the old preachers called it. We struggle, we fight against that. Paul described it this way. He said uh, that when I would do good, uh, that, it's not, uh, that evil is present with me. He said, I, I find that within my flesh dwelleth no good thing. He says, uh, when, there, when I have a will to do good, that I can't find the way to do good. 
and I struggle and I fight. And it will be a fight. It's a difficulty to walk by faith. Don't think it's going to be easy. It's not complicated, but that doesn't mean it's easy. It's going to take resolve. It's going to take determination. Let me tell you something. All determination is not work salvation. You know, I think sometimes, and, and I'm a grace preacher. I believe in the grace of God. I preach on the grace of God. But the grace of God teacheth us that denying ungodliness, we should live soberly and honestly and righteous in this present world. I think sometimes as we endeavor to preach on grace, we sometimes preach what, what they might call a cheap grace. A grace that doesn't serve, a grace that doesn't work, a grace that isn't dedicated, a grace that isn't separated. You know what Paul said about the grace of God? He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that grace was not bestowed upon me in vain. He said, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. And so where grace is present, dedication will be present. You say, preacher, I need to be more faithful. Well, pray for grace. And partake in the grace that's already been afforded you. Live the life that God's already died and bought and paid for for you. And accept these things that He's done in your life. We see the difficulties of faith. Then I want you to notice the design of faith. I think this is a beautiful truth. This might encourage you some. I want you to notice that we see the obstacle overcome. Now, stop and think about this with faith. Faith is a beautiful thing because there's nothing so big faith cannot handle it. Let me say that again. There's nothing so big but what faith can handle it. You say, preacher, does that mean I can do anything I want? No. Because faith is not relevant to the problem. Faith is relevant to the person and promise of God. You see, if God said you can do it, then you can do it. Whatever it is. You say, preacher, you don't know how my life is. I don't have to know how your life is. Because uh, you're crucified with Christ. (laughs) You're dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. And it's the life which you now live in the flesh. You live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. And so it doesn't matter what your life is. It matters what the promises of God are. And if God's promised you that you can do these things, then by His strength and grace and help, you can do those things. Because no matter how big your problem is, God is bigger. God is bigger, and it's all relative to who He is. You see, when we start, you know what we do? The Bible says comparing themselves among themselves, they became unwise. And you know that's what we do. You remember when they were in the wilderness of Kadesh Barnea? And they had sent 12 spies out. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, they returned back. They say, man, let me tell you something. They're big, but God's bigger. I believe we can do it. But 10 of them came back, and the Bible says they gave an evil report. Now, what was their evil report? They said this. They said there's giants in that land, and we were as grasshoppers in their own sight. Now, listen carefully. And they said, and in ours. Now, how did they know they were like grasshoppers in their sight? They didn't know. They didn't talk to them. I promise you. Now, listen, I, don't, I, I can't show you chapter and verse, but I guarantee you that there's not a single place that you can go to in the Bible and find where one of them walked up to a giant and said to that giant, now, how big do we look in your sight? You know what they did? They said, we look awful small in our sight, so we must look awful small in their sight. Comparing themselves among themselves, they became unwise. Now, I understand there's a different context to that in the New Testament epistle. But it doesn't change this, that our problems should not be relative to us. It should be relative to God. That's, what, that's how faith operates. Our problem is not relative to us because we're nothing. We couldn't handle the smallest things. 
Christ said that without me ye can do nothing. But the Bible says this, Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so relative to Him, no problem is very big. So we see the obstacle overcome. But then, I think this is even more important. We see the observer overjoyed. What were the purpose of those six days? Now, if God had said to walk around it seven times on one day, the wall could have fell. Right? Isn't that true? In fact, if God had said, just walk around it once on one day, the wall could have fell. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11.30 that by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Why seven days? Well, we know that seven is the number of perfection in the Bible. God wasn't perfecting Himself and He wasn't perfecting the situation. He was perfecting the faith of those that were walking around it. See, if it had fell on the fifth day, they could have said, God didn't do that. If it had fell on the eighth day, they could have said, God didn't do that. But God said it will be seven days, and on the seventh day it fell, just as God promised. And so for the first six days, who were they walking for? They were walking for the Lord. It must have been awful discouraging. But you know God was watching. And that's really why we do what we do. Did they really care all that much about the city of Jericho? Well, everything in it was accursed. None of it would belong to them. It all belonged to the Lord. So they weren't doing it to line their pockets. They were doing it because God said, this is what I want done and this is how I want it done. And so for six days, the only person appreciating it was the Lord God of heaven. But He was enough. He was enough. You say, preacher, no one notices. God notices. God notices everything. God notices when you make mistakes. God notices when you fail. But God also notices when you serve and no one notices. God notices when you live for Him and no one sees it. God notices when you pray and no one's around. And He's pleased with it. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Well, finally, let me give you these and I'll hush. We see the discipline of faith. Very unique what they had to do. There was two things, and I want to point them out to you, and I'm done. I want you to notice that, number one, they had to remain consistent. You see, the thing that they did on the first day was the very same thing they did on the second day, and the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day, and the sixth day. And really, it's the same thing they did on the seventh day. They just did it seven times. Don't you know that at some point in that week, one of them probably looked at the other and said, you know, this ain't worked so far. Maybe we should try something else. And I hope that that fellow looked back at him and said, No, we're doing what God wants us to do. Let's just keep walking. Let's just remain consistent. I don't know if you're aware of this. You're not a pastor. But as a pastor, things cross your desk all the time. Every time you go to the mailbox, there's some advertisement for some new conference, some new workshop, some new seminar or webinar or book that's coming out. That if I just pay $19.95 plus separate shipping and handling and get their book, it'll really show me how to pack these walls out, you know. That's not what I'm interested in. But if I was, I can tell you a lot of books that promised how to do it that you could buy. You know what gets it done? More of the same. More of the same. More of the same. I was talking to a pastor friend one time, and he pastors a bunch. I don't know how many. He probably don't know either. But he pastors a bunch. And and when he started out, there's eight people. And he's been there about 20 years. And I asked him, I said... Preacher, when did you start to see things grow? He said, I didn't. 
I said, well, no, 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 you misunderstand me. There must have been some point, some point in time. Did you get a good song leader or, or, or a good youth director? Or, or maybe you got your children's program worked out? Or, or maybe when you started running buses? Or uh, was there a particular family where he said, no, 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 you don't understand. He said, there's been no singular moment. It's just been steady, steady over 20 years. Steady, steady, steady. You say, what gets the job done? What gets the job done is the preaching of the Word of God, the prayers of God's people, music that lifts up and exalts and glorifies and honors Christ, the faithfulness of God's people in attending and telling others about this same Jesus that can do for them what He's done in their lives. That's what gets it done. You say, preacher, we ain't seen... I mean, hey, listen, we're, I'm rolling up on five years. I had a lot of plans, you know. I remember I sat down when I first started pastoring and I made a list, made a list of things. Uh, I made a list of where we was going to be at in six months. I'll show it to you sometime. <laughs> in a year and in a year and a half. Now, let me preface what I'm about to say by saying this. God has been so immeasurably good to this preacher. And I believe I've been here long enough that I can say this, and I believe you'd concur that God's been so immeasurably, immeasurably good to Wall Ridge Baptist Church. So I'm not ashamed a bit at what God's done. I'll not apologize for what God's done. But I just, I had big plans. You know, I was 22 years old. I had everything figured out, and I had big plans. And I remember how funny it was as a couple of years later, I sat down and I began to go back through that list, and I began to see things that we never did. But then I began to write down things that God did, things that I never expected God to do, things that I never imagined I would see. And I found this to be true, that you can make all the plans in the world but what gets it done is just consistency. Just being consistent. There's no magic recipe, there's no shortcut, and there's no better plan than God's plan. It's the best way. And then finally, I want you to notice they had to remain committed. We wouldn't read about the story of the walls of Jericho if they had walked around them 12 times. We only read about them because they walked around 13 times. How easy it would have been to have quit. How easy it is for you and I to quit. Quit reading the Bible. Quit going to church. Just give up because it don't seem to be working. Well, everybody, and you know, you've heard it said many times, they talk about Edison and the light bulb and how that he told them that you can be wrong thousands of times, but you only have to be right once. And they asked him one time, said, don't you get discouraged? You've tried 2,000 and some ways to invent the light bulb. He said, no. He said, I found out 2,000 ways to not invent a light bulb. <laughs> what would have happened if he had stopped early? If he had said, I'm done, we'd be sitting in the dark. Amen. Somebody would have had to show up early to church to light the coal oil lamps, you know. You see, the truth of the matter is, it's the, the devil tries to encourage us to quit right before. Right before. I know, I know we get discouraged sometimes. Well, I don't know if you do. I do sometimes. It's not a regular occurrence. It's, it's not so regular as to cause me to quit, but it's regular enough to remind me that I'm human and that I'm weak and that I'm flesh and bone and dust. And in those moments, we have to remember that 12 times wouldn't have been enough. But oh, on that 13th time, when they finished the lap and they blew the trumpets and they shouted and the walls fell, what if they'd given up? Well, what will happen if you give up? What will happen if you give up? If you say, I'm done. It's enough. You never know how close you are to seeing those walls fall. 
If you'll just trust God. He said, what do I do, preacher? Walk on a little further. There's, there's a good worn path around the city of those that have walked it before you. And there's a good worn path where you've walked it. He said, what do I do? Just stay in the track and keep walking. Do what you know to do. And don't worry about what you can't do. And the Lord will bless it.